Well, good morning. Everybody awake this morning? Well, it's very good to be with you. I was here probably about a year and a half ago and talking about how we were starting this organization and a couple things that we were doing. And I just hear, I'm back to tell you that God is just blowing open doors and, and, and starting churches and people are accepting Christ and, and just amazing things are happening because of your faithfulness. Your faithfulness of praying for us and sending volunteers and, and financially supporting our efforts in Toledo. And it's, it's a really, really cool thing that God's doing uh, through me and our team and the Northwestern Ohio District Church of the Nazarene. So I'm really here to say thank you. Thank you so much for what you do um, for us in Toledo, especially through your prayers. Um, and I want to tell you some Bible stories. Is that okay this morning? Um, I love the stories of Jesus. I love Jesus. I, I think about some of the greatest stories that, that I've grown up with, and I can't think any better stories than the stories of Jesus. I mean, just think of who Jesus was. Jesus was 100% God, but also 100% man. It's God's son who was sent down to this world, and he did some pretty remarkable things. He taught people uh, with an amazing uh, amount of authority. He healed people. He was with people. It was incredible. But Jesus came to do what? What did Jesus come to do? Save us. Save us. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I love crowd participation. I wish I had some candy or something. That would probably be so much better. But yes, Jesus came to save us. He didn't just come to overthrow the Roman government of the day, but he saved us for all time. Like today, if you say yes to Jesus, Jesus can save you today. Right? Amen. That's why we're here today. That's why we gather. It's because of what Jesus did for each one of us. And I want to share some of my favorite Jesus stories with you real quick. And then we'll talk a little bit about Toledo. So I think I have three volunteers this morning. I think I have two boys and a girl who are going to help me this morning. Come on up. Oh, man, my number one answer is here. All right, here we go. Stand up here for me. All right, so your name is? Emerson. Emerson, all right. And? Allie. Allie. And James. All right. So these are my three helpers, and we're going to talk through real quick. We're going to do three Bible stories. And so can you... And James, can you sit right there on the steps? And we're going to start here with Emerson. But Emerson, one of my favorite stories. Yes, you're excited. All right. One of it's so nerve wracking when you do this with kids. So I'm, I have a lot of faith in you, Emerson. One of my favorite stories, Emerson. I don't know if you've heard this story, but it's Zacchaeus. Do you know the story of Zacchaeus? Okay. Was Zacchaeus a really tall guy or was he more like your size? My size. All right. All right. So Zacchaeus, when I was growing up and somebody told me about Zacchaeus, I thought Zacchaeus was kind of a nice guy. He was kind of a bad guy, but I didn't really know, like, if was he a good guy or a bad guy? What kind of guy was Zacchaeus? A bad guy. He was a bad guy. Was he just a little bit of a bad guy or was he a really, really bad guy? Yes, he was a really, really bad guy. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, right? And so what Zacchaeus would do is he would come every April 15th, like us, right? He would come and he would charge us money on behalf of the Roman government. But then to get really, really rich, Zacchaeus would charge you even more money. And he became really, really rich because of this, right? So what I need you to do is I need you to be Zacchaeus because guess what? One day, and this says in Luke 19, that Jesus was walking by and Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, right? So what did he do? Climbed a tree. He climbed a tree. Well, guess what? We have a tree this morning, all right? You see this ladder, okay? Can you help me this morning? Uh-huh. 
can you not hurt, get hurt this morning? Okay, that's, that's the big question. All right, so come over here. And now, please don't climb to the top. <laughs> Just climb up like four or five steps. Can you do that? Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. One more. All right, now, Emerson slash Zacchaeus, what can you see this morning? Can you see a lot of people? Yes. Yes. If, if, if Jesus was walking by, do you think you could see Jesus? Yes. Yes. And so Zacchaeus, it says in Luke 19 that Jesus was walking by and he sees this man, Zacchaeus, Emerson, up in a tree. And what does he say to him? What does Jesus say to Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, come down. Yes, you're so smart, Emerson. He says something very, very important, church, that I think we need to know. He first says, Zacchaeus. How does Jesus know Zacchaeus' name? We don't know. But Jesus looks up and says, Zacchaeus, come on down. So he came on down and he says, we're going to go to your house today because you're going to make me lunch. Is that cool? All right. So we're going to go to your house because he's going to make me lunch. And what does the crowd do? Luke 19, what does the crowd do? They get upset. You are so smart. The crowd starts booing, right? So can you get the crowd to boo? Boo. Yeah, because they don't like Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus, it says in verse 7, that Zacchaeus is a notorious sinner, which means he makes mistakes and a lot, a lot of mistakes. But Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house and something amazing happens. And Zacchaeus does what in verse 8? You give me half of your money now. No, do you have money in there? You're supposed to give me half of your money. All right. So Zacchaeus gives half of his money back to the poor, and he gives four times as much to those he has cheated. And it says something very, very important in verse 9. It says, salvation has come to this. Jesus says this, salvation has come to this house today. Church, for just a moment, think about this story, right? This man has this interaction with Jesus. Jesus radically changes his life. And now this man is moved to action to give half of his wealth away to the the poor and four times as much to those he has cheated. Church, when we encounter Jesus, it's just not for us. He transforms us and changes us so we can go out and do good things for other people. You get it? All right. Have a seat, Emerson. Everybody give Emerson a... Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. All right. Now, are you ready? You're not nervous, are you? That was really, really easy. All right, so all I, all I really need you to do is hold this bucket, okay? Do you know the story in John chapter 4? Do we know this story? Kind of. The woman at the well? Okay, so Jesus is walking one day, and because Jesus is always walking, and he's walking through this place called Samaria, and he goes to the well, and there's a woman there with a bucket. And Jesus is really, really tired. He's in the desert. It's a really, really hot day. It's the middle of the day, and he comes to this well, and what do you think Jesus asked the woman at the well? Yeah, can, can I have a drink of water? I say, can I have a drink of water? And what was the woman's response? She said no. Well, she was really, really surprised. All right. So if this morning, if you were if you won an Academy Award, all right, for acting and you were going to be surprised, what's your surprised face? That's it. (laughs) Show the crowd. 
Okay, so the woman at the well is so surprised because Jesus is asking her for a drink of water. Now, the question is, why would this woman be so surprised? Yes, first of all, she's surprised because a man in this culture never spoke to a woman. Never, ever, ever. They would never address a woman and even ask for a drink of water. The second thing is, is this woman is from a place called Samaria. Now, for us to think about what Samaria is, it would imagine if, what's your name again? Allie. Imagine if Allie was a Michigan fan. Oh, see, look. Now they know what a Samaritan woman is like, all right? So we have a woman here, but she's also a Michigan slash Samaritan, all right? Jesus never would have talked to her. Jesus, because we're Ohio State fans, we would never do that. And the third thing is, is she's a notorious sinner. She is a person who has made mistakes and made mistakes, and she's made so many mistakes that she's the only person at the well right now. None of her friends are with her, none of her family, nobody from the community. It's just her. And so when Jesus looks at her and says, can I have a drink of water? She is surprised, right? Because she's a woman and she's a Samaritan and she's a sinner. And Jesus looks at her and he says, if you know who I am and you know what I could give you, you would be asking me for this thing called living water, this water where you'd never have to come to the well again. Would that be pretty cool? All right, so I'm going to give you this living water. Then what are you going to do? You're going to drink it, but then where are you going to go? You're going to go home. So it says here towards the end of the chapter in verse 39 that the woman goes home. And does she keep this message of Jesus to herself? No. No, Emerson. In verse 39, it says she shares this and many people believe because of what she has said. Church, when people encounter Jesus, it is for them. It changes their life. It transforms their life. But then they need to go and share that with other people. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You can have a seat. All right, James, are we ready for this? Are you a little nervous because I got handcuffs? No? Okay. So in Mark chapter five, it's another, this is, this is probably my favorite. Don't tell Emerson. Okay. But this is probably like my favorite story. Okay. So Jesus has been walking from place to place. And now, now we see Jesus is now in a boat and Jesus is going from one side of the lake to the other side of the lake. And he just kind of keeps going back and forth. And one time it says, Jesus gets to the other side of the lake and there's a crazy guy there. You know who that crazy guy is? That's you. All right. All right. So Jesus gets to the other side of the lake. All right. So we're going to come over here. Come over here. You're going to be the crazy guy. Can you do that? All right. So when, when Jesus gets out of the boat, he sees a crazy guy. Just you ever seen a you probably haven't. Have you seen a zombie movie? Don't don't. Your parents are probably here. Put your arms out like this. Put your arms out like this. All right. So you're like crazy, like you're stumbling. The, the guy lives in the burial grounds. He lives in the graveyard. Jewish people should never be in the graveyard, but, but James slash crazy guy is in the, the burial grounds of the day, and James probably really, really stinks, okay? Really, really stinks, okay? James doesn't, but he probably really, really does. And James has on him these shackles, okay? He has one, if you can imagine, two shackles, some on his legs, and when James get, gets really, really crazy, the town people put cuffs on him and shackles on him, but he's so strong, he breaks out of that, 
Okay, that's how crazy he is. And, James, you ready for this one? Okay. All right, James, turn your wrist in. He has these marks up and down his arms, right? This is washable, mom, dad, friends, family, okay? <laughs> he has these marks up and down his arms. And now come walking towards me, James. And he's walking towards Jesus. Now stop. Now, if you were Jesus, what are you doing? Okay, are you getting back in the boat and going to the other side of the lake? Absolutely, Emerson, that's what we would do. But Jesus doesn't do that. It says that Jesus gets out of the boat. Who gets out of the boat? Jesus. Do the disciples get out of the boat? No. Does anybody else get out of the boat? No. no, it says Jesus gets out of the boat and he sees this crazy man coming towards him and he goes and he takes the demons and he prays over him and casts the demons out of this man. It's a, it's a miracle and now James is excited. Yeah, all right, that's James' excited face. All right, it's pretty, pretty uh, amazing. And then you say to me what? I've just changed your life. You no longer have to live in the graveyard. You could do whatever you want. What would you say to Jesus? Thank you. What else would you say? Can I go with you? Right, where else are you going to go? You've been living in the graveyard forever. You're stinky, you're smelly. And you say, Jesus, I want to go with you. And Jesus looks at you and starts counting the seats on the boat. And he says, ah, I don't have any seats for you. But what I want you to do, James, I want you to go back to your family and friends and tell everybody what God has done for you. And what does James do? Does he just go back and tell his family and friends about what God has done for him? No, he, he, he stops by the next 10 villages and he tells people about Jesus and what God has done for him. So what you need to do is you need to leave here and get an Uber and go to the next 10 places <laughs> And then meet us back here for lunch. Can you do that? No? Okay. All right. Can we give him a hand? All right. Go back and have a seat. I, Josh has the key. All right. Josh has the key. All right. Go ahead, Emerson. You can go back to your seat. Josh in the back. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't want to lose the key. I love Bible stories. I love the simplicity of Bible stories, but sometimes the complexity of what Jesus calls to do is a little bit harder. Agreed? Jesus goes to the unlovable. Jesus goes to the unthinkable. Jesus does things that we never see coming. Jesus goes into the graveyard, into the cemetery with the stinky, crazy guy and goes and redeems him and restores him. And then James goes out and changes 10 villages. Jesus meets the woman at the well and he's not even supposed to address her, but he does and he changes her life and she goes back to a village and, and radically changes a village. If we have one person in Marysville, Ohio this morning that gets it, it could radically change this town. Do you believe it? I mean, these are not made up stories that we're talking about. These are real people that Jesus touched with his life. And the real Jesus that they got to touch and experience is the same Jesus that's in us. When we accept Jesus, when we make this decision to follow after him, the spirit of God, my daughter talks about the Holy Spirit all the time, but the Holy Spirit comes into us and now we actually get to do the things of Jesus, right? Think about it, kids, just for a second. If mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or a friend or whoever brought you to church this morning, if they didn't bring you to church, where would you hear about Jesus? What if your mom and dad, what if they didn't know about Jesus? What about your grandma or your friend or whoever brought you? What if they didn't know about Jesus? Where would you be this morning? 
I don't know where I would be. I, this week I was at a family reunion and, and my grandfather many, many years ago, 70 years ago, said yes to Jesus. And that's the reason I'm here today is because Jesus radically changed my grandfather's life and it changed his kid's life and now it is changing my life and now Jesus gets to change my kid's lives. But what if along the way we didn't hear about Jesus? I think about some of the kids that are sitting in our homeless shelter in Toledo this morning. There's 115 beds in our homeless shelter and 60 of those beds are, are full of children. The average age of a homeless child is four years old. So as they're sitting in the shelter this morning and they're in the lowest place in their life, their parents, their grandparents, whoever is raising them, they're in the lowest part of their life and they're sitting in a shelter this morning. When do they get to hear about Jesus? They didn't get to make that choice. I didn't get to make that choice. I was blessed. I had people that took me to church and I got to hear the amazing stories of Jesus. But what happens if you don't have somebody in your life that knows the stories? Right? And so what we're trying to do in Toledo is we're running across people that have never heard the stories of Jesus. And that's not okay. Because like the young lady who said this morning who was leading music, when we're at our lowest moments, if we don't have hope, what do we do? Right? If we don't have Jesus to depend on, if we don't have Jesus there with us at all times, like what do we do? We're hopeless. We're broken. We're hurting. And so this morning, I'm going to show you some pictures and tell you some stories about some hurting kids. Some kids that we get to interact with on an ongoing basis that need to hear the good news of Jesus. So this, this first picture here is at the Believe Center. Um, this is a, a community center in Toledo where we get to do athletics. And we coach sports teams. I, I coach a traveling basketball team, pre-K, first grade basketball team. Pretty exciting stuff, all right? And then on the, on the other side there is our t-ball team that is now coach pitch team. And just an incredible uh, just amount of kids and just who they are and their stories. The crazy thing about these kids is half of the kids in our program are in the foster care system. Half of them come to practice um, with, with their, their guardian or, or somebody from the, the foster care system that brings them to practice. When you go to games, there's not many parents there for those kids. It's foster care workers or guardians or other people in their life. They don't have no stability in their life. There's a thousand kids right now that are in our foster care system. In church, like these are the people that God has called us to love and care for. These are people that need hope. They need the stories of Jesus. They need to hear about Zacchaeus and what he did in his life. And they need to hear about the woman at the well. And they need to hear about the crazy guy who lived in the graveyard. Right? They need that story. One of the, one of the kids that's in this picture, his name's Howard. Howard's an incredible kid who has this big, goofy smile that I just love. And, and, and Howard um, has a rocket arm. Okay, and so Rock, uh, he would play shortstop for us and he would whip it over to first and nobody wanted to play first when, when Howard was on the field because he could whiz the ball over there. But Howard's an incredible kid. He's six years old. The first four years of his life, he was locked in his bedroom because his parents were addicted to drugs. And his Uncle Tony found him and his Uncle Tony has been raising him for the last couple years and, and teaching him how to go outside and play and, and do the things that we know as being a kid. But this is a broken kid that God loves. And this is a kid that we need to help Howard and Uncle Tony because Uncle Tony's a mess. 
But Uncle Tony right now is the only stable force in Howard's life. And so we get to share Jesus with Uncle Tony and Howard, right? Because that's what God would call us to do. The next picture here is um, at Oakdale. This is, uh, we have a mentoring program. Uh, we lead, I lead the guys program. We have a lady who leads the girls program. We have 50 or 60 kids that are in our mentoring program. And, and what we get to do is just hang out with sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. And we get to talk to them about life and struggles and, and just the awkwardness about being in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Do you remember that? You're just, you're understanding the world for the first time and you're thinking and you're trying to think, well, what's high school going to be like? And then what am I going to do with my life? And, you know, there's just all these questions in your life and we get to help them process these, these tough questions in their life. And you know what they also ask us about? That we, we get to talk about Jesus. In the public school, they look and they want to know about religion. They want to know about other faiths. They want to know about this man named Jesus. Why do they need Jesus in their, in their life? What could Jesus do for them? Right? I mean, this is my youth group. This is, a, again, a Toledo public school where I get to go in on a weekly, bi-weekly basis and just get to share Jesus with these kids and be a force in their life. 19 out of the 20 kids that were in my program this year did, didn't even have a father in the home. Not a boyfriend, not an uncle, not a grandfather, nobody. 19 out of 20, they had no male presence in their home. Church, that's not okay. That's not okay. These, kids, these young boys especially, they need mentors. They need people in their life that show them how to be young men, how to be respectful, how to treat ladies, how, how to get a job, how to look respect, respectable, and also follow Jesus at the same time. Right? These are the people that Jesus has put in our world for us to connect with and love and to serve. Next slide here. So this is the church that we started at a homeless shelter. And, and I know you can't see this very well, but these are pictures on a tree. And this is the family tree that we've created at the shelter. And so when you come down to church on Thursday nights, you're a part of our family tree. And we pray for you um, all the time. We, we think about our kids and we invite them down and we tell them stories of Jesus. Uh, we, we One time we had this lady, her name was Christina, and she came down to church and she brought her kids and she dropped them off and, and they got to hear about Jesus. And when Christina came back, her kids said, Mom, tell me more stories of Jesus. Well, Mom didn't know any stories of Jesus. And so Christina had to start coming back week after week, but kind of stay in the corner so she could hear stories about Jesus so she could tell her own kids. Her kids were asking her about love and forgiveness and grace and sin and all of these things that we take for granted. But Christina had no idea what these things were or how to explain them to her kids. And so we get to be there on a weekly basis and share Jesus and teach folks about this. And Christina is now following Jesus and her kids are following Jesus and, and they're struggling in life. But at least they have Jesus as their anchor, as their foundation. Amen. Amen. What would we do without Jesus? Next picture. This is where we're going next. Our goal is to plant 10 churches in the next 20 years. Um, we're working on uh, number three, and this is going to be number four. This is at a park. Anybody like to go to the park? Yeah, we all like to go to the park and to play and have fun and throw parties. And, and we do that, and we invite folks to the park so we can get to know them. Like Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name, we like to know our neighbors' names. So we can share Jesus with them and, and understand what they're going through and how Jesus can meet them in that place. 
One of, one of the things that happened just two weeks ago, I was in one of our community centers and um, we were making uh, snow cones. Anybody like snow cones? All right, we love snow cones, right? And so we have a snow cone machine and we made 90 snow cones in 30 minutes. Uh, we were just churning them out and kids were coming by and grabbing snow cones. And this one kid came by, his name was Antoine. And Antoine came by and he got a snow cone and he kind of walked off. And Antoine was one of those kids, when you saw him, you knew there was something special about him. There was just something in his eye. You just knew that this was a special kid. And so Antoine went by, took his snow cone, and I made note of Antoine. Well, about 10 minutes later, Antoine came back. And he came back through the line and he grabbed another snow cone. And I made a quick joke at him and he kind of went off. Well, about 10 minutes later, guess who came back? Antoine. And Antoine came back and he grabbed another snow cone. And I looked at this kid and I said, okay, um, either he really, really likes snow cones or he needs some attention. And so I grabbed Antoine and we, I didn't literally grab him. I just ushered him over and we sat down and we had a little conversation. I said, Antoine, I said, what's up with the snow cones, man? Like, do you really like them? And we started talking about snow cones. And I said, Antoine, I said, what's going on in your life right now? He's in fifth grade and he just found out that he flunked the fifth grade. And he's going to have to go back into fifth grade. And he's super embarrassed about it. His friends don't know. Only his grandma knows. And he's just trying to figure out, okay, how do I do fifth grade again and not be embarrassed and all this? He was just really, really down about flunking fifth grade. And so I looked at him. I said, Antoine, I said, what's the best thing in your life right now? If you could do something all the time or be in a place all the time, like what is the best thing in your world right now? And he said, football. He said, I love football. He goes, if I could be on the football field all the time, just throwing the football, I just want to play football. I think if I get really, really good at football, I could even get out of this neighborhood and I could have a big house and all the things I've ever dreamed about. And so, you know, as a as a parent, as a role model, you look at him and you know the percentage is really, really small. But you look at him and say, "Okay, Antoine, okay." And and then I said, Antoine, I said, what's the toughest thing in your life? What's the hardest thing in your life? And I thought he was going to go back to the school thing because I knew he was really embarrassed about flunking fifth grade. And he looked at me, a 12-year-old kid looked at me and he said, you know what? He said, I want a dad. He said, I want a dad. See, Antoine is 12 years old. For the last nine years, his dad has been locked up in prison and he's been living with his grandma. He, he's not allowed to visit his dad. His dad will not allow him to visit him. He writes his dad letters all the time. And his dad never writes back. And he just wants a dad. He just wants somebody in his life consistently that will look at him and say, you're special. You matter. And so as I was sitting across from Antoine and we were talking, I said, you know, Antoine, I said, I don't have a dad either. I said, several years ago, my dad was hit and killed in a, in a car accident. And it was, it was really, really hard. But I do have a dad. I have, I have a really, really good dad who loves me, who created me, who has a purpose for my life, who sent his best in this man named Jesus so I could be forgiven. And one day I'm going to be forever with my dad and I can play football as long as I want. I can have as much food as I want. It's going to be amazing. And I got to tell Antoine about my heavenly father, right? These are the people that we are called to church What happens if people don't come into this place? Are they not good enough? (laughs) 
Sometimes, church, there are people that are willing to come in here and we're going to love them and care for them and share stories about Jesus and and we're going to have parties and have lunches and ice cream socials and whatever you do here at Marysville, I'm sure it's incredible. But what about the people who never come in here? What about the people who never are a part of your church? Jesus still loves them. Jesus still has a plan for their life. Jesus still wants to transform them and transform their family tree like he transformed my family tree. But it's going to take us to go. When I ask you the question, where did Zacchaeus hear about Jesus? Or where did Jesus know Zacchaeus' name? Somebody in the community had to be talking about Jesus. Somebody out there had to be talking about Jesus. If a notorious sinner who never would have been welcomed in the church or the synagogue, if he hears about Jesus and wants to see him, he made a way to do so. Are we talking about Jesus? Are those places that we go as we get ready to go back to school or college or career center or whatever you do or work or or whatever you do during the day, are you talking about Jesus? Because in Toledo, we're running across people all the time who have never heard about Jesus. They don't know what he's done for them. They don't know what he can do for them. And they don't know the plan that he has for them and for their life. And church, that's our job. That's our job to go to the Zacchaeuses and the woman at the well, even if they're Michigan fans, and go to the guy in the graveyard, go to places that we shouldn't even be to share Jesus in those places. Amen? The only way that we can continue to do what we do in Toledo is with your help. And so this last slide here, this might be the only time, and maybe they do this at Marysville, I'm not sure, but you can pull out your cell phone. All right, you have a cell phone? Feel free to pull it out, okay? This is a great time to pull out your cell phone. Um, Don't play Angry Birds or anything crazy for the next couple minutes. But this is a way for you to connect with us. You can pull out your cell phone right now, and if you text this number, you can be involved in our ministry. So if you text PRAY to this number, you'll sign up for our prayer list. And so once a month, we send out prayer requests. Pray for Antoine. Pray for Howard. Pray for people in the the shelter, maybe by name. Maybe we have a specific situation. We have a a dad who has five kids and his wife's pregnant with their sixth in the shelter right now. And dad tried to take his life two weeks ago. These are desperate times, folks. And so we like to send out prayer requests to our prayer partners so you can be praying for the people um, by name. And so if you want to be a part of our prayer list, just text pray right now. If you want to volunteer, here's a really cool plug. I'll do this for Josh. All right. In two weeks, you're coming to Toledo. You might not even knew knew that, but you are. And we're going to throw a block party in one of our parks, and we're going to have inflatables and video games and hot dogs and kickball and all the fun things that we love to do. And we're going to invite our neighbors to come and hang out with us. It's going to be so much fun. And if you you text volunteer right now in this very moment, um, you can sign up for that event, and I'll make sure I connect with your church, or you can sign up um, through your church. But we want to see you in Toledo in two weeks. It's August 11th, and it looks like you're leaving super early in the morning, Uh, but we'll be waiting for you in Toledo, and we're very, very excited uh, for you to join us. And the last way is to give. Your financial support keeps me on my mission field, okay? I am in a point uh, as a missionary where I raise my own support, 
and you can be a part of our team by giving uh, to our ministry. And if you text give this morning to that number, it's going to take you to a place where you can give directly to our ministry. And all of those dollars go to kids like Howard and Antoine, goes into our mentoring program, it goes into our church that we started at a homeless shelter, Um, it goes into Asbury Park, we're getting ready to start a church next year. You can financially give directly to our ministry and and help us in, in very incredible ways. So thank you. Can I pray for you this morning? Because guess what? Just like there's people who don't know Jesus in Toledo, I'm just going to bet that there are people in Marysville that don't know Jesus. There are people that you're going to run across even this week who don't know Jesus. And my challenge to you and God's challenge to you, will you go? Even if people think you're weird or different, or why would they go talk to that person? And why would they go there? And why would they hang out with them? Even in that, will you still go? and share Jesus with them. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to be together uh, with the kids and the family and the energy that's in this room. We are so grateful for who you are in creating this thing called family. our, Our blood family, but also our church family, just being together and worshiping you. We thank you for these moments and what you're doing in this room right now. I'm grateful for my family and my wife and my kids and my niece. And, and God, we're just grateful that we get to be together as a family. God, I pray for us that, that the challenge this morning, that, that we, as we hear from you, that you would call us to be Jesus wherever we go. And there might be somebody who's made a whole bunch of mistakes in our lives that we need to go share Jesus with. There, there might be somebody that we probably shouldn't talk to or there maybe they're dirty or they're different than us or they look different than us. And, and maybe we need to become friends with them and get to know their names so we can share Jesus with them. Maybe there's uh, somebody in, in our life who is just really different, always sits at the lunch table by themselves or always removed from our community that we just need to love this week and serve them this week and even share Jesus with even this week. God, we are grateful that you have given us hope, that you have forgiven us, that you have set us free. But help us not to be selfish with our relationship with you. Help us not to keep it to ourselves, but help us to give it away like the woman at the well and to give it away like the crazy guy in the graveyard and to give it away like Zacchaeus was willing to give it away. Jesus, we love you and thank you. In your name we pray, amen.